Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hello, and welcome back to the Business of Learning. I'm Sarah Gallo, Senior Editor at Training Industry, here with my co-host, Michelle Eggleston-Schwartz, our Editor-in-Chief. Welcome. Today's episode is brought to us by Training Industry Research. As a training professional, your job is to effectively manage the business of learning. You probably listen to this podcast to gain insights on L&D trends being used by some of the most innovative thought leaders in our market. But did you know that training industry also provides data-driven analysis and best practices through our premium research reports? Our entire catalog, including reports on topics such as deconstructing 70-2010, women's access to leadership development, learner preferences, and the state of the training market, just to name a few, can be found at trainingindustry.com slash shop research. New insights create new ways for L&D to do business. Let training industry research reports assist you in taking your learning initiatives to new heights. Go to trainingindustry.com slash shop research to view our entire catalog. The world of business is continuing to move at a rapid pace. Things like digital transformation and the rise in remote and hybrid work, among additional factors, are changing the way we work and learn. To put it simply, to stay competitive in today's business environment, companies can't rely on a once-a-quarter course or workshop anymore to upskill their people. The most successful companies are weaving learning into employees' daily workflows so that training is readily available when they need it. So today, we're speaking with Steve Young, Global Head of Employee Experience and Leadership Assessments at Caterpillar, and here Consol. Global Technical L&D Leader at Novellus to learn more about on-demand learning. Here and Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, so looking forward to the discussion today. Yeah, thank you. Um, great to be here. Yes, welcome. Before we begin, I think it would be helpful if you both share your definition of on-demand learning for us to help kind of baseline the discussion today. Sure. Yeah. Happy to do that. And before I give my one sentence definition, I just want to uh, reinforce what I think sometimes overlooked point that, you know, everyone who has a job, regardless of their title, we're constantly learning, uh, whether it's intentional learning or not. And so most of that learning is happening on the job. It's not in a formal uh, training program. So for me, the on-demand learning is, is that range of uh, digitally enabled technologies uh, that now exists to meet individuals where they are most often, right, on the job. And so the te technologies to me are really exciting because they offer a really highly personalized approach uh, to development in the flow of work, you know, if they are grounded in evidence-based learning practices. Yeah, for me, uh, I think very much in line to what Steve is talking about uh, in the flow of work, uh, on-demand learning is all about learning available anywhere, anytime, any place, and of course, very much related to the business. So how my job can is directly impacted by the learning that is available to me right at my convenience is what really on-demand learning is today. And then how the digitally upgraded and the whole technology that's been readily available can make it more easy for me to use it. So that's about on-demand learning for me. Perfect. That's super helpful. I love what you mentioned, Steve, too, about, you know, that point that if you have a job and you're performing, you know, you are learning, whether it's intentional or not. And with that in mind, can you can you both break down what this on-demand learning might actually 
look like? How does it show up in today's today's digital work environment specifically? Yeah, so a colleague of mine a, a couple of years ago, we were interested in that question too, and really within the leadership development context. So we did a study, a benchmarking study in late 19, early 20, to find out more of, of what people were thinking. So we, we got about 100 talent management practitioners across a range of industries and said, what does digitally enabled assessment and development look like in terms of what you're using now? Uh, and what are you interested in adopting to assess and develop competencies, behaviors, personality, health, well-being, those things. And so while we found out, you know, the most popular tools uh, were still traditional online-based assessment, we did find half the organizations are providing tools that do allow leaders to pulse uh, people anytime, anywhere. And so that points to the importance of these applications that give you immediate uh, on-the-job feedback. When it came to what are they willing to buy within a year, we did find that they used uh, or, or said they were going to buy a gamification learning experience platforms that had mobile collaborative learning and peer-to-peer coaching capabilities. And then when we asked for three years into the future, three of the top five technologies were a variety of AI-based coaching. So, you know, and this was right before the pandemic. So my sense is probably, uh, you know, these trends have, have gone the way that people were, uh, were predicting they might buy in the future. I think in the last 20 years, specifically more 10 years, in the last 10 years when I'm in the industry, I've seen a very big shift in terms of the approach towards learning overall for organizations. It has moved from absolutely what Steve was mentioning, the traditional approach, to a more technology-based and online e-learning, virtually instructor-led approach. And this has made organizations think a lot about how can we make things available for the employee right at the at the doorstep of maybe a plant where they are working or the offices or the shop floors they are working at. I, and I think that's what I have been seeing the shift as well, especially in the last two years, the whole disruption that has, has happened in the technology area. And the whole consolidation that's happening in the market industry of learning experience as well, uh, creating that learning experiences for employees within their role. So if I am, for example, a process engineer or a data scientist, I will look at uh, learning from my perspective, from my lens. And that lens is when the learning is more contextualized to the skills and knowledge I'm looking for. And that might lead to multiple roles, but then I have to develop and I will be looking for no more developing my skills, which I am more interested in. So that whole experience journey, which is very personalized and then providing the right content and uh, the platform is then backing up with that. So I think that whole learning experience platform becomes extremely critical today. And that's something most of the organizations are, are looking for. In fact, my current organization, we all are looking for those solutions and upgrading it to that level. Definitely. Because as you mentioned, the acceleration and need, especially over the past few years, to access learning and the flow of work is it's just so important, especially as we've gone to remote workforces and distributed teams. It's really more important than ever. So I'd love to expand on that kind of idea on um, why is on-demand learning more effective than more traditional instructor-led programs? 
You know, I don't think we can make that statement yet, actually, at least, again, my area is leadership development. You know, a study a couple of years ago summarized the findings of hundreds of other studies that have been done over the last 50 years. And so what they found is that traditional leadership development, you know, when designed well, it does have ROI when it comes to improving job performance and other organizational outcomes. And there's just not, as much as I'd love that we'd be in this place with, with on-demand learning, it's just not there yet. Um, in terms of that kind of evidence for impact on, on organizational outcomes. With that said, though, traditional programs, they require a lot of time and money, of course. And, and as a result, not enough leaders have the opportunities you know, to attend those courses, build those skills. And, and I mean face-to-face and live online when I say traditional. But those that, that do you know, have the opportunity, they, they too um, report it being uh, difficult to apply what they learn into the flow. So I think there's a real opportunity for the scalable technology to address a lot of the limitations of the traditional approach. And, you know, as organizations, you know, design, develop, deploy, I think we'll get a better understanding of how they stack up compared to the traditional, but that's going to take some time. But, but in the meantime, I'll offer a prediction, uh, which is that I think that traditional is still going to have their place as some of the best approaches, though, for supporting the more complex uh, nuanced skills um, that were really require working with people and learning from others. Mindsets, for example, how to handle ambiguity and uncertainty. And I think that on the other hand, the, the scalable approaches we're going to probably find are, are the best and most efficient way to develop the more straightforward, simpler uh, skills, fundamental skills like formal communication, giving feedback, you know, where you have a model and it's follow these steps or managing stress. So I think that the on-demand approaches too, you know, and they can also support and enhance what's going on in the classroom to create, help people create habits around things they want to do in the flow. I agree, Steve. And on the job has always been critical, right, from day one. You know, it has been always required and important to really give people that experience and exposure-based learning more. And yes, the traditional approach is investment and time both. And therefore, what we are seeing now is a more need, especially on the technical front, and I'm sure leadership as well, is more on speed and agility, both. And that will come from two things, few things. One, when you look at the micro learning concepts, you know, where you are bringing those bite-sized learnings. I have an issue with the machinery. I don't have time to go to a classroom to find solution, I might quickly need a solution. I might go back to my learning platform, which is available on my mobile, or I have a VR set, which gives me complete solution. I look into it and then I apply it right next hour. So that's the speed and the agility in the sense that if I have issues in my workplace and I want to connect to the my same profile people within the organization, but across borders, How do I do that? So those cohorts, those collaboration tools that really make both the speed and agility available to people to share best practices, do those knowledge exchange and quick resolutions. So how these micro learning concepts and cohorts and collaborations really bring in those macro solutions to people. So that's where the whole learning industry is moving and they're moving very fast, especially after the pandemic. Uh, because the need has all of a sudden risen very high. So yes, I agree to state that, you know, in terms of traditional approach will always be critical in an extent, for example, some leadership programs where you need the leaders to come together and talk about 
for example, culture change, you know, you have to look at the culture of the organization, you have to talk through it, or really some of the critical topics you need to discuss or want to bring face-to-face -face interaction and connectivity to people. But more and more from the technical side, I have seen the demand going absolutely virtual and more and more micro-learning bite-size and collaboration platforms. Definitely. Those are all such good points because it, it really, formal training is always going to have its place in, in corporate training. And it really takes a blend to create an impactful learning experience. Could you both maybe share a little bit on how learning leaders can help maybe determine when to use on-demand training versus formal training? I think that would be really beneficial to our audience. Yeah, to follow up on a little what I shared earlier is thinking about the outcome you're trying to achieve and the skills required. And so from my perspective, I think that for leadership development, if it's developing leaders, the more complex nuanced skills, I would definitely really do the live online or face-to-face -face because that's the time you need to develop those um, because it's really expanding mindsets at that point. Now, if your outcome is, um, you know, people aren't giving each other feedback and so we, we need to teach behaviors around giving feedback, I do think that there's on-demand solutions that, that can work for that because if you use, you know, for example, a research-based model around how to give effective feedback, you can chat a, a bot and it will give you that model. Um, it will give you in the moment before you're ready to go into the job to deliver, you know, difficult feedback to someone. Because, you know, research has kind of bared that out. Coming from my past and experience, you can use a model like situation, behavior, and impact. And if you do that in most contexts, it will be effective. But you can deliver that because it's kind of a, 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 very, a very straightforward sort of approach. Of course, do it with empathy. Um, it's not a mechanical kind of uh, fix a machine. But hopefully that helps kind of tell the difference. Think about the outcome and then you know, surround that with the right set of training methods or technology. Yeah, I mean, in technical, the approach usually is what really the business issue is and how complex it is. If there is a business issue and the demand is to be fast delivery, then of course the inclination is definitely towards uh, going with the technology solution and e-learning or, you know, the virtual world. But when it comes to, as they move, you know, the technical leaders move up the ladder, the need for then having those phased approaches, a stitch of course with e-learning, instructor-led, face-to-face, you know, the 70-20-10 methodology, they, that becomes extremely beneficial and also required at that time. So it really depends and I think that's something very critical for any learning function to do is to get connected to the business, especially on the technical. I mean, I'll talk more from the technical side that for me, it's extremely important that I am absolutely aligned to what the business concerns are, what the business priorities are. And not just today, I, ha you know, I have to look at the future. If, my, if the business is talking about five years down the line, then what is that solution or what is that learning I need to bring in that will help people to develop for those five years down the line? And for that, the solutions could be, I mean, you can definitely go for multiple solutions as, you know, it could be anything, whether virtual, face-to-face. -face, but what I'm seeing, the demand is also more towards 
technology solutions, e-learnings, micro-learnings, cohorts, collaborations. So um, yeah, so for technical learning, it's a lot depends on the business context. I think that's something our listeners definitely need to keep front of mind. You know, L&D leaders really are business partners, and we do believe that at Training Industry too. So that that's really helpful advice there. I want to touch on another factor here, which is really about learning in the flow of work and how that can help create that learning culture, which we know so many of today's employees are looking for. Do you have any insights on how on-demand learning can really build that culture of learning in an organization? Yeah, I think that uh, providing these tools or platforms uh, in an organization, it signals that the organization believes everyone has the potential to develop, to be a leader if they so choose in leadership development. When employees you know, are consistently uh, given those opportunities, they're more likely to be engaged, inspired, more productive. You know, I'm a firm believer when everyone's given an equal opportunity to develop, not just the top five to 10%, you should see more individuals revealing their potential, which should be a positive outcome you know, for a lot of organizations that are facing um, serious leadership pipeline um, challenges. Uh, and then just from just signaling that it learning and growth is valued, you know, when you provide these technologies, they, they also really drive a culture of actual learning and growth because, you know, everyone is being given opportunities to do their actual development on the job more be, by providing more real-time feedback, more challenge, more support um, to leaders as they lead. So, you know, actual engagement in development should become more common as an attribute of your culture. And so that notion that learning only happens when you step in a a classroom or uh, log on to your content library, it's more than that. So, and you should see more of that through provision of these kinds of technologies. Um, That's been my experience that something that's very beneficial when it comes to technical learning and a lot of organizations I'll say have want to do this is always to create those competency frameworks not the traditional ones, they are going really, you know, fading out. But competency frameworks, rather than role-wise, more process-related. Because nowadays, people want to be in the process and not stick or boxed in a row. Because automation and changes in the digital world is so much that the jobs are evolving. So really making it process-specific skills and knowledge competency framework, and then those skills for assessing the abilities in the technical front, help people to develop skills beyond what's right in front of them. Yes, for sure, what's now and for the future. So I think that's being very helpful, especially my experience is that organizations, when they are shown that how this agile competency frameworks can really help, that's bringing a lot of uh, connect between people and learning because then they connect to it. As as I mentioned before, the experience journey. So if you create those learning experiences, helping people to develop within the processes, irrespective of the roles being boxed and giving them opportunities, not just within the organization, but overall in their career growth, then there is a lot of buy-in on learning. And also I feel that, you know, there needs to be an ecosystem of connection between talent acquisition, talent development, and talent management. All these three functions have to be so well integrated and work together 
to provide that really good learning and career experience journeys to employees. And today the technology is making it possible. You have solutions which integrate these three platforms and give you your nine boxes, your business pool, everything ready. So I think that's where organizations need to build that foundational infrastructure of identifying process-based competencies, skills, and the ability skills that can help people to assess where they are and where they would like to go using the right technology systems, the leadership programs. And then as a learning function, you provide you, your enablers. You know, I call these like you enable you're enablers for the business because what the business is doing, you have to be enablers. Your work has to help them to do achieve. Similarly, for individuals, what they want to do in their career, in their work, you have to be like an enabler for that. Your content, your you know activities, your opportunities as learning professionals you provide to them have to enable them to achieve what they are wanting to achieve. So, so that's what my experience has been working within the learning function. Yeah, that's great. I want to circle back to that point we were making before really about learning leaders being these business partners. And of course, a big part of that is measuring your value um, in terms of the training that you're putting out there. Of course, that isn't easy. So do you both have any recommendations on how our listeners can really measure the impact of their programs? Uh, Sure. Being a Uh, By training an IO psychologist, I always love measuring the impact of what we're doing on on the business and and people. So the first step uh, is just evaluating where these things are being accessed and even used. Um, That should not be underestimated, the importance of that, but obviously not stopping there and just in terms of output and usage, you know, doing quick reaction surveys to the end user to make sure, you know, these tools and platforms are easy to use and, you know, the content um, is relevant, applicable to their job. Uh, and then after you find that adequate usage and good applicability ratings, you know, the next step is um, putting in place other methods that assess is behavior change happening, say two to three months after usage. And, and since many of these tools, they capture digital behaviors as a matter of how they work, um, you can track aggregate behavior trends, um, uh, digital trace trends across leaders or employees during that period. An example, you know, you might have leaders using uh, virtual AI coaches trying to um, improve on formal communication metrics, things like pace or tone or clarity. You might see that, wow, they're increasing over time. But at the same time, I, I highly recommend surveying them um, directly and others uh, for subjective perceptions of impact because you might have those leaders getting presentations that on average are more clear or pitch and tones better, you know, but they're not getting enough real world opportunities to show up and actually put those skills to use. Uh, or you might find that peers are, are saying that leaders are improving, you know, in how they deliver uh, communications according to AI, but uh, the content of those messages is not addressing the uh, needs of, of different stakeholders' concerns. And those are, you know, things that today's AI can't detect and and won't for some time. So, and then finally, it's only after, say, six to 12 months um, that, you know, you should start looking at whether those changes in the behaviors are leading to significantly better team engagement, for instance, or just general leadership effectiveness. So hopefully that helps. Data and analytics have never been so important. What, What important it holds today? 
learning data tracked today, learning analytics done today, the you know tools that are available are amazing because then you can really track. You can really do a lot of analysis when you you know track the right data and use it. And then how this learning data, it's like a it's like a two-way connection on the KPIs the overall organization is looking to achieve, the lead and the lag indicators, uh, the balance scorecards. I think from the technical side and uh, whenever we have partnered with the business, much before the learning has been executed and looked at what are those business KPIs or what are those lead indicators that are going to get hit by this, the programs or the interventions or whatever you're doing from the learning perspective, that brings a lot of visible ROIs, I'll say, to the organization. And that's where I think learning gets a seat at the table, you know, where you start discussing with the business that this is what you want to achieve. Let us know, give us a target, what you really see learning, creating an impact for you. And if you connect that ways, I think the measuring post the program becomes all the more, you know, kind of, I'll say not easy, but it's still relevant. And yes, from technical side, I'll say it's a little more easy because, you know, because you're talking about really within the job, how people are going back and changing their approach while they are learning technically, and then they're going back and applying that change that becomes a little more visible. However, I think that partnership right from the beginning for the business is extremely critical. So, so I think as a learning professionals, we, are, we don't come in the picture when the business decides that, okay, this is what I need as a learning intervention. No, you come in the picture the minute there is a business concern or a need. And then, then you partner with the business to find the solution. And, and that brings the change. That brings the, the KPI, the right KPI, even for the learning function. And then the data and the analytics that you can track. And the technology is absolutely brilliant today. You can track so much of data. So I think that partnership is extremely, extremely critical from technical perspective. Yeah, I want to uh, stress that I totally agree with that. You know, really starting with the business outcomes first and foremost, and then saying, well, you know, how are we going to get there in terms of behaviors? And then how are we going to get there in terms of uh, just making people like our content? I totally agree. Charting out that kind of logic chain up front and then using that to evaluate, do we have the data or if not, which data are the best data to get to supplement it? Um, and, and the technologies have the data, but, you know, certainly um, subjective perceptions, you really want to think carefully about where along that pathway you want to collect it to also validate and triangulate against the objective data. Definitely. Those are such good points. Definitely starts with the business challenges. Um, but well, before we wrap up today, for our listeners who want to adopt on-demand learning but don't know where to start, what's one step they can take after today's episode to get started? Yeah, I would recommend my colleagues and I, we wrote an article that trainingindustry.com published. Uh, you could take a read of that. It's called Using Technology to Support in the Flow Leader Development. Um, and in it, we review eight uh, research-based practices that you know could really serve as your roadmap for developing leaders at all levels really quickly, effectively, and at scale. Just borrowing a little bit uh, from that article, we recommend, um, as we just talked about, 
first understanding the outcomes you want to achieve, the business outcomes, um, and then select the technology to experiment with if you haven't gotten started in this area that should produce better development outcomes than your current approaches. No reason to, if your current approaches are working, no reason to break that, but be clear on how and why the technology will uh, enable better outcomes. You know, some of you also maybe have been experimenting and implementing these kinds of things. And I still think if you've already started and you're experimenting, create a matrix around the eight learning practices for each level of leader that you're targeting for development, because you could write down what are you actually doing at each level um, and doing a high level audit like this. You can find that right mix of uh, in the flow uh, development and out of the flow with the right supporting technology. So you get the most out of that technology. And um, as I said earlier, I don't think it's a panacea for developing all kinds of skills at this point, if you're talking about leaders, but I think there's tremendous opportunity to do a lot for a lot more people that we can touch with the technology. I agree, uh, Steve, some very good point you mentioned. In addition, uh, I think that there are two parallel routes people can take. One is while they keep, you know, they are building those foundational infrastructures by identifying those skills and competencies which are more fluid and agile based rather than role-based and stuck in one. Parallelly, you need to look at as an organization where you are on that maturity curve of technology. You know, there are a lot of globally available uh, maturity graphs that, you know, the big fours have really thought through and and come up with these, you know, where you, you can really map where you are as an organization. Once you identify that, internally partner with the right audience, like for, like, for example, the HRIS teams, the IT teams, get the Gartner studies or some external studies, get your, uh, you know, organization assessed and then see where you are and where you want to go from the technology perspective. While parallelly, you are building those foundational skills and knowledge identification with the business. And then I think what has always been my learning and you know what I, what, what I feel is very critical is start with little pockets. Uh, start with a pilot, with, the, with a small pilot. See, test it out. And then from that learning, go to the next. That helps in not, you know, going big time and then looking out for a lot of issues uh, rather than going small, testing it out and then slowly progressing. So I think that's extremely critical. So it's kind of, there are a lot of paddle work that has to happen and then start with small pilots. Yeah, yeah. I just want to stress that too. It can be daunting, I think, in a big company or a company that values uh, IT security and other things to go through the you know, your process to bring in vendors, but, you know, once you bring them on, yeah, don't put the pressure on yourself to think I've got to try this out in a huge division, try it with a little business unit with even, you know, if it's leaders, maybe 50, just to see, do they like it or not? Because it, it may not be what you think it is. And in that case, you know, you don't lose any reputation loss, I guess, by, by kind of promising something big and enterprise wide and then falling flat. So start small for sure. Perfect. Great advice. And we'll make sure to link to that article you mentioned, Steve, as well in the show notes for this episode too. With that, before we wrap up, can you let us know how our listeners can get in touch with both of you if they'd like to reach out after today's episode? Sure. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Stephen Young, I think is what I go by on there or Twitter. I'm on there as data for leaders. Same with me. 
I'm on LinkedIn uh, by the name Heer Kansil. You might find me now as Heer Angra. <laughs> uh, I'm starting to use my husband's second name. So it's H-E-E-R-A-N-G-R-A. And you'll find me there. So please feel free to connect or you can connect with Sarah and uh, she can share my contact details. Perfect. <laughs> for more insights on on-demand learning, visit the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. As always, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.